Listener Production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Every week in this podcast, we uh, we choose a situation, something that is unfolding somewhere in the world, and we break it down, make it really easy to understand, talk about the politics involved with it. And this gentleman opposite me, not that you can see, but we're in the studio, Dr. Keith Souter is the best placed to talk about this stuff, so well informed, has decades of knowledge and experience under his belt, has got three PhDs on international politics and relations. And you just make it so easy for people to understand, Kate. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. So my name's Kate Mack. Uh, we've worked together for many years in television as well as this podcast, and I've produced him and in radio. And today we're going to talk about quite a worrying subject matter, Keith, and that is a potential Cold War between the US and China. And we've seen a lot of worrying talk between the two countries for, yeah. for quite a while now, a lot of goading as well. Yeah. I mean, Australia's getting involved with this as well. As the, well. The, yeah. China's relationships are quite icy with a lot of countries at the moment, it would seem. Mm. So this is a, an article which is based around an interview with uh, Professor Richard Falk, who used to teach at Princeton University for many decades. He was an examiner of my first PhD, so I have a very soft spot for Richard Falk. Of course you know him. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Falk... Uh, is being interviewed regarding this new Cold War with China and also what is called the Thucydides Trap. So just to clarify a couple of terms, Cold War was a phrase that was invented after World War II, which was obviously a hot war. So a Cold War is when you have two big countries that are manoeuvring against each other without necessarily clashing head on, but fighting through other people's territory. So the big Cold War, obviously, which we remember is between the United States and the Soviet Union, but you could also perhaps talk about Saudi Arabia and Iran in a Cold War that's emerging with the manoeuvring going on. They they fight each other in Syria or Yemen, but they're so far avoiding a head-on collision themselves. So the Cold War then is a war that is fought without the direct confrontation or use of nuclear or conventional chemical weapons. So the Cold War ran uh, from the end of World War II until the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. The argument now is that a new Cold War is emerging between the United States and China. As Richard Falk points out, one of the big differences this time round is the fact that the rivalry is not so much military as economic. China has a very small military force. It's increasing it, but it's certainly small compared with what the United States has got. But the key factor, which never existed in the days of the old Soviet Cold War, was that China is economically a rival to the United States. For the last 20 years, following the collapse of the Soviet Union, Russia has now joined international economic agencies. And so we've been able to look at their books, so to speak. We've been able to see the real state of their finances. And the big surprise that we've had is that the Russian economy itself, even during the Cold War, was about the size of Canada's. Hmm. So you've got Canada rivaling the United States. Which is interesting because everyone would perceive Russia to have this huge economy because that's the way they posture in the world. They Hmm. posture in the world and they obviously uh, were and remain the largest land mass, immense resources, but they just couldn't get their act together. They had the best well-fed rats in the world, 
because when they were shipping the grain, they were just so inefficient. They they lost a lot of their grain in the shipments and the rats ate the grain. <laughs> they were being well-fed, but a lot of Russians were not. So Russia was never as economically strong as it pretended to be, whereas this time round, the rival to the United States, China, certainly is an important economic power. And that's a big difference from the previous Cold War, which is a very worrying difference for those of us who are American allies like Australia, because it it suggests that there's a fundamental weakness in the United States, that it's spending a lot of money on its military, but it's a country that is rotting from the inside with, you know, collapse of the infrastructure, the awful coronavirus crisis has revealed the disparity in incomes and health outcomes for people. So Richard Falk makes the point that the big difference between Soviet Union in the old days and China today is simply the economic power that China has. Will there come a point where China just simply says to the Americans, we no longer have need for you? And so they then ditch their treasury bonds. The Chinese at the moment are the largest holders of uh, uh, American debt in the world. So they could just sell all that debt. It would damage China, but would wreck the United States. At the, at the moment, the United States has this AAA rating, but there are a lot of people saying, well, China could wreck that by simply discharging all that debt onto the global market and damaging the role of the dollar, etc. So what Richard Falk is warning about is that, yes, there is a risk of a new Cold War, and we have to be very careful that we don't just slowly slide into this crisis. So that is the, the, the uh, warning note that he's trying to give. Um, the Chinese are very different in one respect from the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, it's hard to imagine now, but the Soviet Union really did think they were inventing a new type of person, what they called the Soviet man. And this would be a new type of humanity. Well, we know that that experiment failed considerably. China's not in the business of exporting ideology. China's simply here to make money. <laughs> we'll sell anything to anyone providing the price is right. So the Chinese then don't go into uh, Africa or Latin America or Papua New Guinea, by the way. They're going into Papua New Guinea now, getting very close to Australia. Well, mind you, they already own the Darwin port, of course, right over the water from PNG. Um, so the, the Chinese are not trying to export an ideology. They're not saying Chinese civilization is the best. You should all become Chinese, which, of course, is basically what Chinese would say. They do have the best, the longest lasting civilization. But basically, the Chinese are just here to make money and they're doing it brilliantly. Now, their image has taken a bit of a bash because of the coronavirus. Even though China has been able to get on top of the coronavirus, a lot of its trading partners have not. And so China um, has real economic problems uh, because it, its trading partners are simply not in a position to keep buying stuff from China. So China is in a, a vulnerable economic situation, even though it's got its own virus situation under control because so many of its partners are now just uh, being worn out by the coronavirus. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. We're talking today about whether it is likely a cold war between America and China, uh, as we've seen in the past between, you know, well, other countries. Dr. Keith, 
you're saying yeah. China's reputation in the world has taken battering since coronavirus. There's just been a war of words for months, but it's not just between the US and China. It's Australia as well. And they're, they're really, instead of taking responsibility and being humble because they, they were the source of coronavirus, let's yeah. be honest, they've just taken a, they've taken that belligerent sort of stand, haven't they, which but, is also not helping. No, exactly it. And this is a type of uh, diplomacy which is based on their warrior movies where the warrior movies are where uh, Chinese people save the world, not Americans. So it's made in the Chinese film industry, not in Hollywood. And so people are saying in China, let's stop being friendly towards the rest of the world. Let's stop being humble. Let's um, change our policy, which used to be hide and abide and wait your time. In other words, very calm, and then you creep up on the rest of the world. Under President Xi, there is a new aggressiveness that we see. And this has given rise to the debate, again, which uh, Professor Richard Falk looks at in the interview about what is called the Thucydides trap, which we've touched on in the past, but it's well worth reminding ourselves about this. So Professor Graham Allison is at Harvard, and he, in a book written now three years ago called Destined for War, Can America and China Escape the Thucydides Trap? Thucydides wrote about Athens and Sparta and the way in which these two countries, or two in those days, city-states basically, um, ended up on a collision course and ended up fighting with each other. Quite inevitable. Looking back at it, it was inevitable. Now, Professor Allison has looked at the last 500 years of world history and has identified a total of 16 situations, 12 of which ended in war. Uh, And the most recent one is between England and Germany. So looking back on it, we could see that a united Germany after 1870 was determined to take on uh, Britain and deny Britain's supremacy at sea. And then also, of course, try to acquire territories, including one immediately to the north of Australia in German New Guinea, which the Australians captured at the beginning of World War I in one of the swiftest military operations in world history. But Germany was, was trying to scoop up real estate around the world and put them on a collision course with the other European powers. So Graham Allison is saying, uh, are America and China now on that same slippery slope, just like England and Germany were? when you have this established great power being challenged by this rival power, this emerging power, in this case, uh, in those days, it used to be, it was Germany. And that is the real question that will haunt us for the coming years. Can the Americans and the Chinese come to some sort of a workable arrangement? Or will we end up with a Cold War, which is presumably what we're sliding into at the moment, Will we end up with a hot war, which is World War One equivalent? We're now talking about World War Three. That is the risk that we run. So this is a very good interview in sort of reminding us about the fact that while our minds are so wrapped up around the coronavirus, there are these other emer- issues emerging which have to be on our radar screen. And the challenge for Australia is that we are a military ally of one and a trading partner of the other. So using my favourite expression, we're like a child caught between divorcing parents. But it's also, I understand what you're saying, but at the moment it feels like we're siding with America because there's so much animosity as well with China. Is that going to damage us? Yeah, I think it will because China at the moment is our major trading partner. Uh, Now, people are talking about the need to have, including myself, that we need to developing our links with India, which will be 
another great power for the second half of this century. But at the moment, we do 10 times more trade with China than we do with India. So India is a long way behind. In fact, we trade more with Japan than we do with India. So we've got to do a lot to change our attitude. Um, um, uh, Trading with China is just so easy. It's made us complacent. Mm. The time of greatest danger comes at the time of greatest complacency, the greatest success. When everything seems to be going so well, why do we need to worry about other things? And so we are just blind to emerging issues. And so in this podcast series, what I'm trying to do is to get people to focus on these larger issues and listen to the faint signals of change and not be caught by surprise. So at the moment, as we're seeing that tension and the twin throwing between China and Australia, as one example, surely this has done damage already. It's done some damage, but China at the moment needs Australia. I don't think it's a terminal damage because I think that China is not yet ready to discard Australia because it's not yet developed Africa. When it has finished with its development of Africa, or for that matter, Papua New Guinea, don't forget there is enough liquefied natural gas in the Bismarck Sea to the north of PNG to run the island for a 1,000 years. Wow. <laughs> well, so, you know, China does produce its own oil, but it's always on the lookout for other people's oil as well and natural gas. Now, at the moment, we are a good supplier to China. We're stable. We are reasonably honest in all of our dealings, etc., a lot easier to deal with than African dictators. Mm. And also we don't kill Chinese. Mm. One of the problems for the Chinese in Africa is that they lose some of their workers from time to time because they get killed. Um, so it's it's a hazardous activity trying to open up Africa. So Australia is much easier to deal with, and of course we're closer. But there will come a point, if we're not careful, mm. when China will say we can now get stuff more cheaply from Latin America or Africa. And that, on that note, though, because of the state of coronavirus not only in Latin America, but Africa as well, a lot of these economies are going to take a massive hit. And these are the economies that China has spent the last few years investing in so much. So does that mean our our position from that perspective is a little bit more robust? But it also means those countries are more vulnerable. They need the money even more now. They do even more deals with China. I would have thought that that would China would have sort of lost the interest if it's if they're in such a state. And the Chinese they know they can't get that money back for so so long. Well, the Chinese or well, the Chinese think long term, right? Yeah, they're not true. like Western firms that have a ninety day at most ninety day horizon. The Chinese are in for the long term, and they can go for a few years, uh, wearing losses, providing they're accumulating assets. So they lend money. They don't give money. They lend money. And then governments can't repay it, so they find they say, fine, we'll take over the asset. Debt diplomacy, it's called. The Chinese are very smart. They're leaving us for dead. That's why I keep warning people. Just keep an eye on China. And, of course, what Professor Falk is saying, be careful you don't end up accidentally going to war with China. Well, that's the thing. They've got tentacles everywhere, though, Keith, like everywhere, <laughs> throughout the entire world. They are everywhere. They're everywhere because the future is China. You know, we've come out of an era in which, well, for the last 500 years, uh, the world was dominated by white people, which is why you and I, with our white faces, are sitting in black fella country, mm. right? Uh, more, most recently, it's been the United States, the daughter of Europe, that's been running the world. That era is coming to an end. Now, some Americans will say, no, I'm being too pessimistic. They think the world can continue with American dominance. I am just not that sure. And so I'm saying to people, keep an eye on China and India and, and also Vietnam. 
These are economic powerhouses that we need to follow. And then, of course, by the end of the century, it'll be Africa. There'll be more Africans than Indians or Chinese combined. So let's talk quickly again just about the concept of Cold War between the US and China. What do you think that will depend on whether it does escalate? Well, my preference would obviously be that we have, after November, a president elected in the United States who wants to address that issue. Mm. And And not just... And not just the way that, that Trump has carried on, which has been so irrational. You know, Trump has alienated his allies. What he should be doing is building up an alliance to counter China. But instead, he just annoys people. That's how we've got to go about it. We've got to go back into the business of building alliances and be ready to stand up to China. I don't want us to have a war with China, but I think we need to make our values very clear. Yeah, but there are a lot of issues that need to be addressed. I mean, particularly South China Sea. How do you do that without ruining the relationship when you've got China at our doorstep? I don't think South China Sea is that a bigger issue. I think that um, we will find ways of dealing with that. Maybe perhaps just accepting that China has control over it. Yeah. (laughs) In the same way that the United States controls the Americas. Yeah. All right. Well, watch this space. Is that right, Keith? That's right. Thank you. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Suter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.